Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, Parlor, and Instagram. And of course, be sure to visit www.mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. No one's been here in months. It's beautiful. I love you, you know. Please. <laughs> Have you seen this out here before? It's in the trees. It's all over. Something in the air. I felt a little lightheaded before. I feel good. It's like I was knocked out. I, I can't remember. Turner, where's Mr. Turner? Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host Matthew Perkovich and this is episode number 312. Releasing in the United States on December 15 on video on demand, digital, DVD and Blu-ray is The Beach House. A horror mystery that stars Liana Liberato and Noah Lagrosse as a young couple whose romantic getaway turns into an apocalyptic nightmare. A slow burn blend of cosmic horror and character-driven dramatics, The Beach House is just a horror movie for those who like to squirm at the nightmares that nature can conjure upon humanity. And joining me on the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast to talk about The Beach House is the film's writer and director, Jeffrey A. Brown. Jeffrey, I thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So it's really interesting. Usually horror movies based in the water or near a body of water of some sorts, in this case a beach, usually deal with some type of gargantuan monster. Uh, the Beach House is the opposite. Um, where did your idea come from to have your horror movie by the sea deal with an infectious disease? Um, I think that the, the origins of it... <sighs> First off, I was I was very interested in in cosmic horror fiction. Um, the, you know, the best writer that people think of when they talk about those types is, is H.P. Lovecraft, and and his story, The Color Out of Space, was a, a big influence on it. And really, one of the challenges creatively for me was to try to make a contemporary uh, cosmic horror film, primarily because it was a movie that I hadn't seen before. And I think a filmmaker's quest is to make something that they haven't seen or that they feel is not being made. Um, of course, in, be- in between the time that we wrote the movie, there have been more cosmic horror films. Uh, the Color Out of Space actually became a film which is you know, widely seen now. But at that time, and, and our film is, well, it has similarities with Color Out of Space, it, it is different. Um, and so that was kind of one of the, the creative drives um, another kind of personal story. My mother told me a story about her family years and years and years ago before I was born, um, uh, going on a fishing trip up in Minnesota in, in the Midwest. And there was a gas leak mm. in the cabin they were staying at. And so my grandfather had been drinking beer throughout the day and he went out at night to use the bathroom and when he went outside, he, he fell over. He realized that there had been, you know, something was going on. He felt nauseous and he realized that there was a, you know, a, a potentially lethal gas leak in the cabin. So he got everybody out and he would always say that beer saved his life. Hmm. Um, so 
so it's kind of there there is that aspect of the movie when when you see it there's a sequence that's very much as if a gas leak of some kind and then the worst always with horror it's like what is the worst that could happen so it's like it's a gas leak throughout the entire planet and this is like the first wave of the gas leak um but also in a contrast to like a gargantuan horror film a, a lot of our creative uh, decisions were made out of necessity and out of economics. The yeah. film was always going to be a low budget film. We were never um, going to be able to have the big monsters. Although there are some low budget films like Troll Hunter, I think, and, and the film Monsters, hmm. where they do accomplish those big, you know, creatures on a budget. Uh, my background is not in effects, and really the a filmmaker would need to know those effects because on a budget, they're going to be doing them themselves. And they would also know how to shoot for that. And that, that that's not the case with me. So uh, we, you know, I always, and I, I wanted the film, one of uh, Lovecraft's thing about weird fiction is that it, you know, it's an emphasis on mood and atmosphere over uh, over the physical mm. kind of, you know, fears. And, and that was another thing. The movie to me was an attempt to really, really, dive into atmosphere and make something extremely atmospheric over everything else. To me, that was the most important thing of the movie to have this dreamlike half remembered atmosphere. Um, you know, and, and that was, you know, these were like kind of creative goals I had for myself as a filmmaker. And that was, that was what we set out to achieve. What's interesting about it is that considering what's going on now, it's touching on things that are palpable, even though it's dealing with certain things that are fantastical. Um, and what's really interesting in your film is that your characters talk about how, we as a species and indeed the existence of our planet is kind of made up of this um, fragile mix of occurrences that made us what we are today. And one kink in that formula and everything is kind of turned sideways. And like this year, we've definitely seen some of that with the whole COVID thing. Um, does that very real possibility that like one virus can kind of end it all, does that really, is that something that you fear uh, uh especially considering how what you have in, in your uh, in your story because uh, to tell you the truth even before all this kind of stuff happened my wife and I always said to each other you know sometimes we, we watch like a end of the end of the world movie dealing with some asteroid stuff it's like I'm like you know I'm less you know scared about that than I'm about some virus being let go in the world and wipe it everyone else because that just seems like a very palpable and real thing and and as we've seen this year something that can definitely have uh, can ha happen at any time yeah, I, I mean, the movie, to me, the most effective horror is about the, what, what the worst that can happen to to you personally. And if you're writing and exploring your own fears as a writer, that makes it more uh, palpable and more real. And yeah, yeah I, I was definitely, uh, the pandemics were definitely on the forefront of my worries. Uh, the movie Contagion and Outbreak and, I, and the book, uh, the hot zone about Ebola is they're very, they're very scary. Um, and, and, you know, Stephen King's the stand and the book station 11, uh, which I read recently. And that's very, very spooky. Um, but, and it was, those were definitely in, in my mind in writing the, the story, uh, of something uh, that we could do, you know, also on a budget, you know, I never imagined that we would, you know, experience it because we never, we never wanted to. Mm. And, um, and especially I was in New York city in March and April and it was very scary here. You know, there, there was a, an apocalyptic sense to the, to the world. And, and that's, it, it's very frightening. And, and I feel like that's kind of happened more often in the last 20 years than, than probably anyone would want to experience. But mm. I think 
horror to me is a safe place for viewers to, to experience their fears and, and to help them confront them. Really. I think horror is a confrontational uh, genre. It's a, it's a, it is an exploration of the id not to get too, uh, you know, psychological, but, but we, we are, when you can take fantasies and make them physical and make them real, you are dealing with these kind of subconscious places that, that people don't necessarily experience on the day to day, you know, thank God. But um, that, that to me was, you know, to try to make a movie that was, that is scary to the audience, which is the, you know, the goal of the movie is to make the, the viewer uncomfortable. Um, yep. and, and, and hopefully, you know, that they can experience it in a safe environment and that maybe it will help them deal with these fears as opposed to if something bad happens, you just turn into, you know, a pile of jelly, uh, which, which also kind of happens in the movie. <laughs> I kind of, I really dig that in the film, there's kind of like an ambiguity as to the origin of the whole infection. Did you like having kind of like your audience try to fill that gap themselves? Because that way their mind can race to their own conclusion, their own kind of twisted kind of, you know, uh, storytelling in their own right as to what could be the cause of this disease that we're seeing in front of us? Yeah. And there there was always kind of with our producer, uh, we had three main producers involved and they were very attentive to the script. And it was that we always said it's it's the fine line between vague and mysterious. And we wanted to be mysterious, but not vague. Um, And I feel that the the evidence to figure out what's going on is there. It's just, you know, you might have to you might have to do a little research to figure out what it is. But I, I think that 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 it, I think the movie rewards multiple viewings. I think if you see it two or three times and and then take a, a biochemistry course, then you're then you're like really you're gonna get it. But um, yeah, you know I I, I do like open ended movies. Uh, that I like filmmakers who who do leave things kind of open ended because I, I see film as you know it's a conversation. Uh, you have the film in the on the on the screen. You're watching it, and then there's the film that's being made in your head. You know that that is your conversation with the filmmaker. And I, I lean towards those types of films. I like more, you know, kind of ambiguous uh, movies. You know, my, my father does not. In fact, that's like discussions we have. He does not like open-ended films at all, but uh, I, 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 I tend to prefer them. And so that was kind of, uh, that was where I wanted to go with the film, uh, you know, from, from the inception of it. We, know, we knew, I actually wanted to give the audience even less than, than, than we wound up giving them. But our, our producers stirred me in the direction of, you got you to tell them a little bit. And I was like, oh, all right, fine. Um, you do see the effects that this infection has upon, you know, its, its victims. There are, you spoke before about um, your, your grandfather's um, experience of a gas leak. There is a talk of a stench in, in the movie. Um, there are macabre changes uh, to the body whenever people are in, in exposed to this stuff. Um, were you at all in, influenced by particular real infections, real diseases? Did you pick and choose from like almost like a buffet of like infections and kind of brought them all together into what you were creating for your own uh, your own disease in your movie? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I, and I mentioned the hot zone, which is, it talks about Ebola basically turning your insides into soup. And that, that seems like a pretty horrible way to go. Mm. Um, and some, you know, some were, some were realistic and some were not, but the, the infection to me, it, it's a, it devolves, you know, people become less than as, as, you know, their, their senses kind of get removed uh, throughout the course of the infection as they kind of regress to, 
a different state. I don't think that that's giving too much away, but um, that that was more of the kind of the creative of what the uh, what the infection does and how it affects people. Uh, more of a, a kind of almost metaphoric effect that I that I did. I, w- I would look at pictures of, of you know, and, and I saw the movie uh, Contagion, which talks about the swine flu. Hmm. Um, but it just has to be a very uh, contagious, you know, affliction, so that it's a direct threat to our protagonists, and and they they experience it. It's it is airborne in the film. So once they start smelling things, because you know when you smell something, there's particulates that are getting in your nose. That's why you're smelling it. So once things start smelling, it's starting to get into you throughout the course of the movie. Um, so it, yeah, it, it was re- you know it's real, but then I I I, I took some some pretty severe liberties with it. <laughs> um, speaking of those severe liberties, let's talk a bit about the practical effects that are in the film. And it's um, every filmmaker that I've talked to, whether from the States or Australia, that deal with practical effects, it always comes across um, that they had a positive experience with it. And surprisingly, some of them actually said that it's almost like a um, really fun kind of thing for the cast and crew to get into as well because they actually seen movie magic done in front of them um and sometimes to really like glory results which kind of like you know it, it almost seems like a like an entertainment show in the middle of shooting seeing all this stuff kind of come to life what's your experience like here working with practical effects did you find that uh, your cast and crew were having lots of fun kind of um doing certain things with you like you know blood squibs and etc and makeup effects and in, in, in you know shooting this stuff for the film well, fun is a relative term. Um, the practical effects, I mean, there there is a lot in, in the movie. And one of the things I found shooting them is that you kind of have a very different mindset uh, doing the practical effects than, say, a dialogue scene. You know, mm-hmm. a dialogue scene is like you're trying to capture lightning in a jar with the actors and you want to shoot and shoot and shoot and kind of, you know, work quickly. Practical effects are a much, much slower uh, process. Uh, when we were shooting one sequence in particular in the movie that that people have gravitated towards uh, midway through the film, that that was a lot of practical effects. You could feel the kind of giddy joy amongst the crew when they were watching it because it was just like, you know, some of some of the producers were on the stoic side, but even them, they're they're like smiling, like this looks awesome, and we're like, yeah. yes, it does. And then, uh, but you know, the act, Liana, her performance, she really sells the effect uh, the scene works because of her it, it's mm. you know, the effect is good but without her really throwing herself into the pain quite literally it, it would never have worked as well and and we were uh you know it, it was our film our crew was very small so once we got into those it was like the art department got involved the makeup department then the effects makeup you know everybody was throwing slime or getting you know underneath it's like all hands were on deck for those scenes and uh but I found that in in the future, I would I would shoot I would have a break between shooting actors and then doing the practical effects. Mm. Um, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't do them at the same time because the mindset is so different. Um, so you know it, they're tricky and and also on a budget it, it was it's you know we weren't in a studio. I think if you're on stage that, that can help you a bit because you have some more room to move around. But shooting practical effects on a on a, in a location is uh, is very tricky. Um, but you know we we did it and and you also it, they're very very messy um so you know it, it is fun it's cool I, it, it's uh it's it's i would i like i think practical effects look better than digital i think that um 
you know, I, I, I think that the mixture of the two is, uh, is, you know, always very, I like that better than just straight up digital, but I understand why people kind of gravitate towards digital effects because it gives you more control in post. And it also, you can shoot fat quicker, uh, with digital because you're not doing the practical setups. Um, but you know, it's, it's, yeah, I, I, I'm glad people have liked it cause we like doing them. Uh, I think a lot Sorry, of people, that's no, fine. I think a lot of people as well kind of appreciate the art around it as well. I think sometimes with CGI, um, there is a certain um, time-wise as the years pass on, considering where we are technology-wise, there can be a certain kind of, you know, erosion to the effect where it seems like you can see almost kind of like the pixels on the screen uh, where with pra practical effects, even though sometimes it might come across as, you know, you can see, you know, Oz behind the curtain. Um, there's a pre uh, people will really appreciate kind of stuff. And I, and I think that's why certain films like uh, from the eras of like the eighties and such, which I'm sure you were heavily influenced by uh, when doing your own work here um, really do stand out and still stand the test of time. Cause the, the craft is down. I think a lot of people appreciate that. And I think a lot of people are going to appreciate that from your film as well. Yeah, I, I hope. I mean, that was always the goal was to do as much practical as possible. I mean, there is there is some CG in it, but we hit. I think we hit it pretty well. So, um, you know, that was always the. It kind of as opposed to the the base level of CG was more of like kind of working in tandem with the practical effects because that the tactility of uh, practical. And I even feel that with like spaceships, it's like mm -hmm. you know, two thousand one still looks great because yeah. they used. You know, practical effects. I mean, that's the gold standard, really, of practical effects. So, yeah. although um, although the the apes aren't that great, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Oh, of course, you got to win some, you lose some, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, final question here. Um, I mentioned in my brief description of the film uh, the word slow burn, and it's uh, something that a lot of people have brought up as well. Um, in regards to that kind of putting that together, your pacing of your film. Um, where does that kind of come alive? Is that already kind of like infused in the script or is that something that really comes alive in post-production to get that pacing, to get that timing and such? When does that all kind of come alive uh, in the making of your film? I mean, the script was always, uh, yeah, it was supposed to have a, a slow, I wanted it to, 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 there's a shift in the movie and I yeah. felt that for the shift to really work, I, I kind of wanted to lull the audience into the rhythm of the waves and the rhythm of being on the beach so that when, when the shift happens, it would be like hitting the audience with a bucket of cold water. Mm. And, and I really wanted to surprise the audience. Um, it, it, I, I think maybe there, there's an experimental nature to the movie. And I think if I had to do over again, I might, I might've sped it up a little bit more or kind of, although I think there's a lot of creepiness in the first half of the movie. Um, but it really, uh, you know, there's a dinner scene in the first half of the film that as I wrote, it was even was like much longer to the extent that I wanted the audience to forget that they were watching a horror film. You know, mm. it was, uh, it was something where maybe they'd be like, Hey, I've, I've just stumbled into the wrong, you know, I, I'm watching the wrong, I thought this was supposed to be a horror film. And then right. if you keep going with it, uh, that was me to kind of, you know, surprise the audience. I, I wanted to keep them off guard and as to, as to what the movie was, you know, with advertising and, and whatnot these days, kind of really surprising the audience isn't, isn't possible, but, you know, so that was, that was definitely from the conception of the movie and also to kind of build some character development. Cause I, I do feel that like, you know, if the characters go through something horrible, it stings more if we, if we know them and, and if they're, 
they're plausible, you know, that, that would be always something, uh, that, that we wanted to do, uh, to, to make the, you know, make the audience feel for the characters so that when they're doing, you know, when horrible things are happening to them, you really want them to survive. So for everyone out there listening, December 15 in the US on video on demand, digital DVD and Blu-ray, the Beach House releases. And I really do recommend people to check out this film. And uh, Jeffrey A. Brown, I thank you very much for your time today. And look, congratulations with the film as well. Um, you're, I know this is your fir- um, first time feature director and um, I think you really hit it out of the park here. So congrats to you. Thank you so much. Uh, great speaking with you.